Hello, welcome to Saving Your Soul with Dolly. I'm Dolly Barker, and I'm very glad that you've tuned in today to this podcast. And um, today I have a message that I've been preaching for a little over 20 years. And, but I want to just preface it by saying, um, in your spirit realm, in the spirit, who you are as a, a spiritual being that you've been reconnected to God, that God is not imputing sin to you. And I want you to understand that. Spiritually speaking, you are one with God. God actually dwells inside of you. And if he had not had a sufficient payment for sin where he could dwell with you without destroying your life, then he wouldn't be able to come into your life and make his abode. So I want you to know that the mere fact that you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that God the Father is living inside of your life, he's with you, Nothing can get between you and him. And I want to say this because I'm about to talk about what sin does when we take the grace of God and just run out there and live in the world, how destructive it is to us and how we can do that. That is our choice. And the Lord will allow what we allow. But I wanted to, I wanted to show you a secret to how to get victory over it. And so I don't want you to think that I'm preaching that, oh, no, you've messed up now, and now you're in big trouble, because that's not the spirit behind what I'm going to say today. Um, Over in Romans 6, it says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? People say that. They get born again, and they think, well, I'm already saved. I'm saved by grace. It's not works. I can do whatever I want to do, and I'm still saved. And although that is true on a spiritual level, you are still deciding who you're going to serve today, and you're opening doors and allowing access in your life, which you will reap, and you will reap right now on this life. And so I want you to, I want you to know you're a three-part being, so this word is talking to all three different parts of you. Um, it says in verse 3, in Romans 6, 3, Know ye not that as many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. Therefore, we're buried with him in the baptism and death, and like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. An abundant life is what that means. So God wants you, after you've been born again, to walk in an abundant life. But when you look around, just from your own experience, do you know Christians who are not walking in an abundant life? Do you know Christians who continue to have the same problems that they have in the world? Okay, this is a problem because it shouldn't be that way. And so go over it down to... um, Uh, 13. Well, 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourself unto God as though that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law, but under grace." Okay, I need you to know that. Sin should not have dominion over you. If you're trapped in some kind of a, a something you feel like is sin, and you don't want to do it, but you don't know how to get out of it, listen, it's the will of God that you get dominion over that area of your life, and He will help you. 
You just have to take the situation to God, discuss it with him, talk about everything, and, and just let him walk you through the process. He will deliver you from the power of that thing, and you will be better off for it. Now, I'm not telling you to try to quit doing everything wrong that you're doing in the flesh. You are going to be set up for failure because when you go about trying to establish righteousness in the flesh, you're creating self-righteousness. And self-righteousness, if you're successful at it, will lead to pride, and pride comes right before the fall. So I'm not suggesting that you just learn how to just not sin anymore in any area of your life on your own. Although some people can, and that's wonderful, and I'm not saying you can't do that, but I'm just saying don't be condemned. He says in John 3.17, he didn't come into this world to condemn you. So I'm not trying to condemn you either. I'm trying to show you a way to get victory and to get to get an abundant life in some area of your life if it is a problem with you. And you know what problems you're having. So I don't even have to go there. It says in verse 14, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin? Because we're not under the law, but under grace? God forbid... Know you not that who you yield yourself servant to obey, his servant you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. Okay, so what he's saying is, if you continue just to live a life, uh, just, you know, sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. I'm just going to do my thing. I'm saved by grace. And that is true on, on the spiritual level. But the problem with that is you're going to want to lay up treasures in heaven. You're going to want an eternal reward that is going to benefit you for eternity. Plus, you get victory now in this life. So it is a reward that you can actually walk in right now. And you can leave an inheritance for your children's children. You can leave the blessing of God operating in your family for a couple of generations here just because you chose to do things God's way. And so, you know, I wanted, I want you to be aware of that. It tells us in Galatians 6, um, if we start at verse 7, it says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For that he soweth to his for he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. So what he's saying here is there's a law. Don't be deceived about this. Don't think you can just take the grace of God and just live however you want to live. And you're going to get to heaven someday and that's all there is to it. Because there's so much more to it. And that's what I'm trying to share with people. You have a soul that you need to save. It's, it's, going, to be, it's going to be very sad. People don't realize what the consequences of that's going to be. But... Not only just talking about in the life eternal, because, you know, a lot of people right now, their just mind is on the flesh. They're just worried about today. I'm telling you, you could eliminate all the problems that you have in this current life. You can eliminate them today by choosing to try to serve the spirit and not your flesh. Okay? Now, um, this, this is a principle 
that got established in the earth, sowing and reaping, um, whenever you're talking about sowing and reaping and you're thinking about harvests and stuff like that, um, we, it gets its origin in Genesis. Um, the Bible tells us over in Genesis 8. Okay, I, I know you probably remember the, the beginning of the story because we all heard a variation of it when we were growing up. But um, when God looked out on the planet, he said that every thought of man's heart was only evil continually. Now, I know there's a lot of bad stuff going on right now in the world, and, um, you know, I'm aware of that. But we are not to the point where every thought of man's heart was only evil continually. That's, That's some pretty bad stuff. Now, we've got a lot of evil stuff going on in the world. But the way God fixed it, He fixed it because he decided he didn't want to have to destroy the whole world and all the living creatures again just because man's heart was wicked. So he put some things into effect. If you look over in Genesis 8 and verse 18, and don't say, well, this is the Old Testament because I'm going to show you how this very much applies to you. It says, so, okay, so God tells Noah, Noah, build a boat, take your wife, your three sons and their wives, Get two of every unclean animal, seven of every clean animal, put them on this boat with you. I'm going to make it rain. And up until this point, there was no rain. They had never known rain. The world was like a terrarium where the right amount of moisture was up in the air and fell back down. It was a perfect utopia. But he says, I'm going to make it rain. And so Noah starts building this boat under the direction of God. And he preaches for 120 years. He built this boat and told people, it's going to rain. You need to come and get on the boat with me. And nobody wanted to get on the boat. They all wanted just to run around and do whatever they wanted to do. Their evil hearts had them doing the most ungodly stuff. We can't even imagine the magnitude of what was going on at that time. Because the Holy Spirit's in the earth right now and evil is being restrained, we don't even have a concept. I mean, we're getting a kind of a glimpse of it right now. Things are more evil in the earth than they have been in quite some time. But we cannot conceive that every man's thought of his heart was only evil continually. I mean, that must have been pretty bad. And so he puts them on the boat. He sealed it up because he knew as soon as it started raining, everybody and their mama was going to try to come get on that boat. So God sealed the boat up where it could not be opened. And then it started raining. And literally every animal, every person on the face of the earth was destroyed. Now, after, um, after it started drying up and everything was fine, Noah and them were about to come off the boat. So in verse Chapter 8, verse 18. And Noah went forth and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him. They're coming off the boat. And every beast and every creeping thing and every fowl and whatsoever creepeth upon the earth after their kinds went out, went forth out of the ark. And Noah built it an altar unto the Lord and took of every clean beast and every clean fowl and offered a burnt offering on the altar. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground any more for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. 
Neither will I again smite any more every living thing as I have done. While the earth remaineth. You know, this is a good place for you to stomp on the ground. And, and you can see clearly for yourself that we're still in that dispensation. While the earth remains. Okay. Uh, seed time and harvest. Cold and heat. And summer and winter. And day and night shall not cease. Now, what that's talking about is God knew he had, he had promised us 120 years. And he was saying, from now on, what's going to happen is if a person sows, because this is describing seed time and harvest, and there's going to be seasons, there's going to be opportunities to give, opportunities to receive. There's going to be all the cycles that are necessary in order for a harvest to be produced. Um, sometimes I wish payday was on Friday because if I did something mean or stupid or sinful that week and I reaped on Friday, I would probably catch on and I would probably stop doing it. But that's not how it works. Everything you do, say, believe, all those things, they are all seeds. Uh, kind of like the law of attraction. So you're going to reap for all those things. And that's how, this is how it will never be completely 100% evil ever again. Um, if somebody is a wicked person and they're sowing wicked things, they will reap a wicked harvest. And that harvest will be uh, a curse on them. And it will be, it'll be a great enough punishment that they will have an opportunity to either repent and, and turn to the Lord or they will, you know, they can just keep pushing it until they end up, you know, having to leave the earth. I mean, there's going to be a seed time and a harvest. That way, if somebody is wicked, they don't ruin it for everybody else. If you're righteous and you're sowing the right things and you're doing the right things, you will reap a righteous man's reward, which is the blessing of God coming upon you and overtaking you. All the good things that the Bible promises us. This is how we obtain those things. Now, I want to I want to reiterate here and say this is not just an act of the flesh. Because if it was just an act of the flesh that you had to do everything right or else you were going to reap this harvest, um, then again, it would be you being self-righteous. You're going to have to depend on the grace of God. You're going to have to, I, I promise you, this is how you do it. If you're in a relationship with the Lord and you're talking to the Lord and you're fellowshipping with the Lord, He's going to reveal to you, you know, whenever you're struggling with some person that's giving you a hard time, and he's going to tell you to love them. And you're going to have to be honest and say, I can't love them. I hate them. They're mean to me. They do this. They do that. And that opens a door for the Lord to say, you know, oh, I love you, and you've done these things to me. You've done these things to other people. You know, you're, there's no difference between us. And we see, we see it, and we're like, oh, gosh. How give you know? Help me be able to love them. You know, forgive me for not loving them. You know, I want I want to be able to love people the way you love me. And what happens is you receive the love of God because in your soul, following your spirit, you're in a relationship with God, and He literally gives you what you need in order to be able to walk in love with people. You can't do it apart from God. I hear people say all the time, well, as long as we walk in love and as long as we do this and that, you know, we're, we're good. We can get to heaven too. We don't have to go through Jesus Christ. No, you have to go through Jesus Christ because 
He is the way that your sin, the original sin that Adam committed, was paid for. If that sin had not been paid for and the wages of sin was death, if the sin had not been paid for, then God himself could not come and dwell in you. Without God dwelling in you, you would not have the power in your spirit to be able to overcome the flesh and make decisions to follow your spirit. If the Lord doesn't live in you, you can't do it. And if you have sin in your life, he can't live in you. This is why if you if you read the Old Testament and you see like they had the Ark of the Covenant, where that would be where the glory of God dwelt in that box, on top of that box. And, and only the high priest once a year could go in and, and have conversation with God. But that was after all the sacrifices had been made and he was purified and everything was right. Then he would go into the Holy of Holies and have a conversation with God. Because if he had any sin in his life, not that God was mad or that God wanted to get him, but because of God's holiness, sin cannot come in the presence of God. They literally put bells on the skirt of the high priest. And then they tied a rope around his ankle. And when he went into the Holy of Holies, they were listening for the bells while he walked around and did the service that he needed to do in there. If they quit hearing the bells for very long, they knew he dropped over dead. And they would use the rope to pull his dead body out of there. God didn't want to harm him. But God is holy, and sin cannot come into the presence of a holy God. So there had to be a payment for your sin, which is what Jesus Christ did. And the reason he's the only one that could have done it was because he wasn't a child of Adam's. Your iniquities come from your father, the Bible tells us. We were all born after the similitude of Adam's transgressions. We were sinners because we were born after the flesh because we're all seed Adam and Eve were our parents. They're everybody's parents. There was only one couple that God made and put in that garden. And from them, they started having children, and their children had children, and children had children, until we came along. We were, after, the, after his sin, we were all sinners. That's how we're born, after the similitude of Adam's transgression. So we had to have somebody that could pay the price for sin, but that person had to be sin-free. This is why the Lord had to impregnate a virgin, because we could not have the seed of a man involved. Had there been a seed of a man, if Joseph had been the biological father of Jesus, we would not be forgiven because the sin payment would not have been holy. Jesus, the reason he was able to get out of the grave was because Satan killed him. The wages of sin is death. Jesus did not have sin in his body. Because he did not have sin and Satan was too dumb to know that, he killed an innocent man. That is how the transference of all the covenant came back to us because we had been redeemed. Now, so in order for the Lord to come and live in you, you have to accept the payment that Jesus paid for you. 
Not that Jesus needs that from you. He's fine all up on his own. You needed someone to pay your sin for you. The Bible clearly tells us all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And people say, oh, well, I can be as good as Jesus. Oh, really? Have you ever cussed anybody out? Have you ever lost your temper and hollered or threw something? Did you ever get in a fight ever in your whole life growing up? Did you ever say anything hateful or mean? Did you ever gossip? Did you ever disrespect your parents or ignore what they told you? Did you ever lust after somebody or, or covet somebody's belongings? You know, we're all sinners from birth because of the mistake that Adam and Eve made. And the only way for you to be holy, for God himself to come and dwell in you, you had to have a new wineskin. If he came and tried to dwell in your old wineskin, it would destroy the wineskin. It would destroy you and you would die. You cannot stand in holiness while you have sin. So your sin has been paid for by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. For the sacrifice that he made on that cross, we are redeemed, and it is the most powerful, incredible thing that you could ever hope to have. But now that you're saved, what's next? It was a huge price paid for you so that you could now have a relationship with God. That's what happened. The temple veil, that holy of holies that only the priest could go in and visit with God, it was torn from top to bottom. He's like, yes, come. I can, I can come and be in you. You can come and, and be with me. He can have a relationship with us. That's what he wanted. When Adam and Eve were in the garden, the Bible says he came and walked with them in the cool of the evening and would just fellowship with them and talked. He was their friend. He was their father. He loved them. It was great until they disobeyed him and created, you know, committed high treason and sold the world out to the, to the enemy. And from that moment on, God didn't say, I'm going to curse you. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. He's saying, here's what's going to happen now. Eve, you're going to have pain when you're given childbirth. Eve, you're going to always think you have to have a man and that's going to be a curse. It's going to be a yoke around your neck. Satan, you're going to slither on the ground now for all the days of your life. You're going to eat dust, and, and her, head, her heel is going to bruise your head. Adam, from now on, you're going to have to go to work, and you're going to work by the sweat of your brow, man. You're going to sweat. It's going to be thorns and thistles are going to be coming up for you. It's not going to be easy farming anymore. It's going to be hard, treacherous work. This is what's going to happen. Now, he didn't say, I'm doing this to you. He knew what the devil's system was going to be like. He knew that every person, every man was going to have to slave by the sweat of his brow. And no matter how hard he worked, it was going to be full of thorns and thistles. It was going to be hard. It was going to be laborious and it was going to be a struggle. That women are going to do whatever they have to do to have some man's attention. And they're going to suffer through childbirth. All these things, that was the curse. He didn't do it to them. He just told them, well, here's what's about to happen now. Because the devil's in charge. And this is what he's going to do to you. And so it happened. And now he's saying, the devil's no longer in charge if you're born again and you choose to come with me. You have a choice. He says, I set before you this day life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life so that you and your seed can go in and, and partake. But you get to choose. You get to choose. Do you want to have a relationship with God or not? Following your spirit means having a relationship with the Lord. If you're, having a, if you're having a relationship with the Lord, I'll promise you right now, you're not sitting around thinking about how you can go sin because nothing is more beautiful and satisfying and fulfilling than to spend some time in the presence of God. 
There is nothing else on the earth. I know that, you know, all these products say, you know, they're the real thing. They're the it. They're the answer. They're the, oh my gosh, none of them, they fail in comparison to the presence of God. This is why I highly recommend that you get the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. All you have to do, the Bible tells us that Jesus baptizes you in this Holy Spirit. So all you have to do is ask for it and it will come. It will be given to you. I suggest some books by Hagen or uh, Gloria Copeland's got a good one. I would get some information on the baptism of the Holy Spirit and I would, I would read it and I would pray about it. I, I grew up in a couple of different, I, I say a couple of different denominations. I grew, I was born into a family that belonged to one particular denomination. But after it was clear that they would never be able to serve God with any victory because they were continuously condemned, they all quit going to church. And so I started going to another church and became a member of that denomination. And I served God there for years until I was ousted because I had done some things wrong and didn't know I didn't know, but you know, the problem with that was the ministers there didn't know either. And so they couldn't help me. And so I backslid. And for 11 years, I lived in the world at the mercy of the devil. I knew I was born again. I knew I was going to go to heaven someday, but I was living in total and complete, utter defeat. And that was not the will of God for my life. And so when I Um, came to the end of myself and got invited to a church where they believed in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I went, I was listening to the man preach and I'm thinking, okay, wait a minute. Now that is what my Bible says. Why did I think it said this? And I had to start researching and trying to prove if what he was saying was correct or not. It's been a journey, 26, I think years now on this path of trying to prove what the word of God says, because I'm the one that's going to benefit from knowing and understanding what the Word of God teaches. I'm the one that's going to benefit from having an active, healthy relationship with God, my Father. I'm going to be the one. Me and my seed and my seed seed and my, you know, the generations following me are going to have the ability to have success and prosperity and health and peace in our mind and a future and a hope and an expected end and all these things that I was struggling without when I was, I was saved but I was in the world with no knowledge. The Bible says my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And that's where I found myself. I look around now and I see all these people. They all, everybody, everybody's running around out in the world. They all are born again. Most of them. Now I'll give you some of them are not. Some of them have rejected Jesus and, and I I hear you and I'm, I'm going to win them to the Lord if I can. But you know, those people, most people that you're around in this country that was founded for, um, you know, to be able to distribute the Word of God to the world, that was our purpose, to protect Israel, to, to build the kingdom of God and establish it. This is the purpose for our nation. So just... A lot of people in this nation have been born again, but they just don't know what that means. I used to be in prison ministry, and we would go into the unit, and we would preach, and uh, it was so powerful, man. We'd give an altar call at the end. A hundred men would stand up, and we were like, oh my gosh, look at this. This is amazing, and we're writing down how many people were getting saved every day, and it's just so powerful, 
And then, you know, the next time we come in that same unit, you know, um, we preach and we, we give an altar call and a hundred people stood up. Oh my God, this is tremendous. Hang, hang on a minute. Did, I think that guy got saved last time we were here, didn't he? Well, you know what? I was thinking that guy was already saved because I know I prayed with him after he came up, you know, and we started realizing all these guys were born again, but they would lose their uh, faith in the package that they had received from God because of the condemnation and the guilt and the shame, all the things that the devil is going to continually pile on you as long as you're out there trying to live your life and not seeking a relationship with God. And so after a while, we're like, okay, you know what? These people are saved. They just don't know what's next. They don't understand that they need to save their soul. And so we had to, we had to really reshift everything we were doing and come up with, okay, how can we teach this? We've got to tell them how to save their soul. Oh, that air conditioner kicked on. It's pretty loud. Sorry. But um, so we started just discipleship, discipleship. We've got to teach them what the Bible says. We've got to show them. We got to get them the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We got to get them water baptized. We got to get them in a relationship with the Lord. And once you do that, you're going to see your entire life turn around. Now, look, I've been sowing negative seeds most of my life up until that point. And so I was reaping stuff. And even if I didn't personally reap it, I saw my children reap things that I know I sowed. You know, the earth is still here and it's going to produce the harvest for what we what we sow now as a believer as somebody that's in a relationship with the Lord God um, an active I'm seeking the Lord on a daily basis I am saved by grace my sins are not being imputed to me and when I realize I've done something that I don't want to reap I don't want my children to reap I don't want to deal with the consequences of believing something that's not right by missing the mark then I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, I don't want to reap this. I don't want my children to reap this. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. You know, I wish I hadn't have. You know, I, I think it was because I was just jealous or I was intimidated or I was this or that. Whatever it is, get to the bottom of it and say, God, I don't want that tree growing in me. I don't want that producing fruit in my life. Would you remove that? Take that out. I pray for a crop failure over that seed. And and do you know what? Because I'm in a relationship with God and we're talking back and forth and he's showing me things and I'm I'm, you know, open and honest with him because he already knows everything anyway. I'm able to deal with things and then we don't have to reap those things. And then at the same time, he's telling me, "Hey, give them 20 bucks. Hey, call her. Hey, write this personal letter. Hey, do this." And I I obey. Him. And so I'm sowing all these good seeds. And they're not stuff that I even know why I'm doing some of the things he asks me to do. But I know that I'm in obedience to God. And his plan for me is better than my plan for myself. And so I'm very grateful to him. And I love my life. Listen, don't be deceived. Amen. Don't let the devil deceive you. Don't let anybody talk you in to doing something that you know is not the direction you should be going in. They're not going to reap your stuff. They're going to reap their own. 
And right now what's happening in our nation and in the world, the Lord has revealed to me that this is a harvest of the tares. What's happening right now is a huge harvest for all the wicked, selfish, bad decisions we've been making for quite some time. This is the harvest of the tares. But as soon as that's all brought in, there's going to be a harvest of the good seed, of the wheat that we intended on sowing. And that's going to be glorious. And you're going to want to be a part of that harvest for sure. So I just want to encourage you today to, um, to spend some time with the Lord. Ask Him to show you if I'm right or not. He will. He'll show you one way or the other. And, and um, you know, He shows me stuff all the time. I tell people, if, if you think I'm wrong about what I'm saying, pray for me. Tell on me. Tell God on me. And if He needs to change me, guess what? I talk to Him a lot. He can flat change me. He changes me all the time. And through that... We grow and we become everything God called us to be. And we live a powerful, successful life. And that is the will of God for you and for your family and for your friends and for your community and your nation and the world. So if, if this has helped you at all, man, I'm just thankful that you listened and tuned in today. God bless you. And I'm just praying for grace over you. And if you know somebody that this might help, share it with them. Let them know that they can come and, and, and listen to my podcast. I try to do them on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And so um, I just want to say again, thank you very much for listening. And um, God bless you. And I will talk to you again later. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.